1: And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The dream is made real. Ricky Hatt runs the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? Wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Hi, right, fans! To so another episode of BTR Boxing Podcast. This is Once to Watch Series Two episode 9 with Ryan Charles. So before we get into the episode, as always, go and follow us on social media at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter and BTR Boxing Podcast on Facebook. If you've not already subscribed to the podcast, you can do so by finding us on Podbean on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spreaker, Player FM, Spotify and even Eat Sleep Boxing Repeats YouTube channel as well. So today's episode is about Ryan Charles, currently 6-0 heavyweight, looking to progress on in his career over the next 12 months. He's had an extensive amateur background with the likes of the Commonwealth Games, fighting guys like Michael Hunter. And he'll also be talking about what it's been like from him transitioning over... From an amateur to a professional. What the professional career has been like to date. And we also get to hear a little bit about what he does outside of boxing. We know how hard it is for up and coming fighters to try and make a living out of boxing. Having to sell the tickets and promote themselves all over social media. A big shout out to Colin from CM Management for putting this episode together. By speaking to Ryan, getting him on, wants to watch. So this is it. This is the next episode and the penultimate episode of season 2 of wants to watch and it's with Ryan Charles. So, Ryan, I'm delighted to bring you onto our ones to Watch series. Thank you so much for coming on. How are you doing?
0: Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: No, thanks for coming on. Pleasure, pleasure. So, today we're going to be talking about you and your career and your journey through boxing with this ones to Watch episode. And we, we go back to where it all began, really, and, and find out what it was that got you into boxing for the first time.
0: Um. Yeah, so, for me, it was a thing where, um when I was really young, like, I always used to watch fights from, like an early age, from the... Like age of like eight, nine. My dad, my dad was into boxing, so I always used to watch fights. And then um, I remember one time in particular, my my mum, no, my aunt was um was dating a boxer, and then they took me to the gym watching train and then ever since then i wanted to to box and then at the time i asked my parents if i could do it they said no i always like kept watching it um to mess about shadow box when i was young always used to play fight i've always been good at fighting kind of and then when i got to like when i got old enough like, i think it was 17 when i was in college i just started going to the um to an amateur gym myself. i started off at islington i just went there just for training to start with and then uh, i was i was training and then like say about when I got to about twenty, that's when I started taking it seriously. I started um like I actually became like a Cardiff boxer. Um and then I started having bouts and then I've not looked back since. Who did you watch growing up with your dad? Uh, I we used to watch we used to watch a lot of Lennox Lewis, um, Vince Nassim, Hammed back then. He was always entertaining Mike Tyson. Um those times it was a good era. He used to show me some of the old stuff like so he had, had it all on tape. Um, Sugar Ray Leonard and some good old fighters. And I a car. So, yeah, those guys really.
1: So you was always, obviously, a boxing fan. It was always there from, from day one, really, watching it with your dad and growing up and watching all these fantastic fighters that we've seen over the years. And when you went to the boxing gym for the first time, what was it like? Mm-hmm. What what was the feeling like when you just walked through the doors for the first time?
0: Um, for me, it was just like it was kind of like felt like I've been missing out on this I remember coming home feeling so like so excited and so like looking forward to the next session I just felt like unstoppable because I've I've always been able to fight and I've always like been athletic so it was just something that it's like I picked it up straight away and like Oh, I remember when I first met there. loads of the coaches saying, yeah, you'd make a good boxer," you know, like my first session. And then it um, turns out they were right because I followed it through. Yeah, 100%.
1: You followed it yeah. through and we'll talk about that. So when you started training at the gym, when you started getting into it and you started becoming more involved in the, the, the competitive side of stuff in the gym, so like the sparring and the sessions you get involved in, mm. what, at what point did you realise that was what you wanted to do?
0: Um, I kind of, like, went out, like, because when I, st- I started training, and then, um, like, say, what's about 17, and then it wasn't until I got to about, like, 19, 20 that I, I said to myself, I'm going to take this serious. And I said to my... It's at that moment when I said to myself, I'm going to go back to the boxing gym and I want to have doubts And I, I, like, you know, it's although it sounds mad, I said to myself, okay, Within a certain amount of years, I want to be boxing internationally and trying to get into the Olympics, and like, that's literally, I just aimed for something and tried to towards it, and then I've decided that if I'm a boxer, people probably
1: thought that wasn't it, like the it. that's what I was going for. Going through then, moving on to an amateur career, what what was it like? What 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 sort of amateur career did you have for people that don't know?
0: Oh, so with me,
1: um, I had a pretty good amateur career. Um
0: so I, after, so I had like, I had obviously the local and the regional bars, et etc. Then after my, I think it was like my 10th amateur bout, um, I, I was boxing internationally. So I was representing St. Lucia. So um, how that came about is, literally, I just contacted them and I said that I'm a boxer in England, um, i'm interested in representing you guys my mum's on there they said come over came over for a trial that led to a competition ended up winning that competition and then since then i was representing them so, so from my like 11th bout i was boxing in um i think my first one away was in ecuador which is a pan-american qualifier I boxed in that and then um, that what that done was after because i'd boxed in that i then had to jump from um novices which is normally like under 20 bouts, the open class. So when I came back to England, I had to go straight in the senior ABA's without much experience because I'd only had what 11 bouts. But because I'd had that international bout against the top guy, that jumped me. But then from then on, I was just boxing in open class senior bouts, and then I went on to represent an issue in many other tournaments in loads of different countries.
1: But when you came back to England from, obviously, boxing uh, around the sort of South American region, mm-hmm. what was what was the difference for you? What what, what was different about going over to, to South America, boxing over there, to what the amateur scene is like over in England? Um,
0: I'd say in terms of the style and the boxing, like
1: yeah. everyone
0: is in you know, internationals like everyone is super fit like no one is no one's getting tired so you've got to be on that level as well you've got to be fit um, and I felt that there were a lot more like calculated and controlled with the with the shots they pick and the shots they throw I found that in the in the um, in the local bout like it's more about landing a lot of shots but they're actually thinking about where they're gonna land the shots and they're going I know, what I noticed is one thing is that they're going to the body a lot more than the international going to the body. So I learned that I learned that early on because it slows you down so much or slows your opponent down when you go to the body from early.
1: So it was more about the quality over quantity. That's the big difference. Yeah, yeah, the quality.
0: Like some of these guys, like, they like They've been national champions of many times they've represented their country in world championships, Olympic, um, Pan American Games so
1: like the best of the best kind of thing. So when you was in your amateur career did you box anybody that has now gone on to turn professional who's currently a, a, a ranked professional? Uh,
0: yeah, one one big name i I boxed against as an amateur um, as a guy called Michael
1: Hunter. Okay, so yeah. he's doing really well for himself now as well, isn't he?
0: Yeah, yeah, he's doing really well. Um, after, even after like Darrell um, Miller got, got banned for steroids, um, they were talking about throwing him as throwing him in as a name for um, for an opponent for AJ. So, that's right.
1: Yeah, that's right. Did you win?
0: No, no, I lost on points, but it was it was um, like I took a lot from it because. I knew it was at that moment. I knew that I can hang with these guys at this level. at the time I'd had, I think I'd had nineteen bouts, I think nineteen or twenty bouts, and I fought him. He'd he'd he had like over sixty bouts. He was like three-time US national champion, uh, been to um, Pan American Games before, won medals there, and been to World Championships. Like, so when I I only lost on points, and I knew, that, and it was kind of like it was it was close enough. Like when I put him in a really good shot, so I knew that okay, I'm at this level now. I just need to. On
1: from there, wow! So, obviously, a lot of people that listen to this podcast will know of Michael Hunter because, as you rightly pointed out, he was one of the names touted to potentially fight Andy Joshua before he ended up fighting Andy Ruiz Jr. and obviously losing to Ruiz Jr. So, you, you know, if even, yeah. from, even from early on, you've had you know a great experience and uh, a very well established amateur career after after you got to the point where you felt like you couldn't do anything more in the amateurs was the decision always going to be I'm going to turn professional was that what you always wanted to do when you first started competing
0: yeah yeah that was always uh, the ambition though um there was a bit of a delay cuz like in the amateurs my last amateur fight um it was in the Commonwealth Games 2014 and um I had a real bad decision real bad decision go against um where I was box against the guy from Australia and I clearly won about like I gave him two standing counts in the second round but somehow still managed to lose on point um, and the whole crowd was like just booing afterwards and then after that I kind of took a bit of a break because it's kind of like it, I, my plan was to go to the Commonwealth Games win a medal and then turn pro off the back of that and make a big noise but because that didn't happen kind of like delayed it. it put me in a bit of a bad place and I had to reconsider if I wanted to do this properly So then after some time out um, yeah, i decided sorry I was going to think of a break probably done me good if anything
1: what did you do during that hiatus then from boxing did you just go out and get a normal job or what was you involved in then yeah i went out i just
0: um got a normal job the first couple not gonna lie the first couple months i was down i wasn't really doing much um i stopped training everything and then um after 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 a while I kind of picked myself back up
1: I where started training again and then that's when i decided to make this transition grow. so you've turned pro now the year started last year 2018 quite a real real active year as well that was uh you know, not there's not always a lot of fighters that get that much activity. You know, some do, some don't. But was that, was that yeah. always the, was that always the plan for you then, Ryan? Was it always a case of because you'd had this break, you wanted to be as active as possible within the first year of being a professional?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because if if I didn't have that that break, then um, those fights may, be, may have been spread over two years. But because I did, I've, I've said to myself, I want to get as many bouts in as as possible. I probably wanted to even have one more by now, but um, that didn't happen. But yeah, like, this year, I want to I've had, I've had two so far this year. I want to try and get, I want to try, I'd like to get another three if possible, I'd would the ideal. So, yeah, I like staying active. It's good because, um, I like, after a camp, like, I just continue. And then it, I feel that it gives me a, a, a more of a mental edge because I know that I've not had any rest. Even though you have a couple of days here and there to let the muscles relax. But in my head,
1: that I know I've been training consistently, so it gives me a mental advantage. So the first four fights, then, of your career... In 2018, you you know you've had some great apprenticeships. You fought guys that are well known on on the circuit. Uh, have you had any uh, fights today, including obviously the two this year, where you you've, you felt you've been in any type of adversity or you've overcame a type of adversity, or is it, have you felt it's just been really straightforward for you? Um, yeah, yeah. So far, it's been it's been um, pretty
0: straightforward. Like um, I've, I've pretty much just gone in there and done um, my which is good, and I'm I'm proud of myself. That. Um, but obviously, like I want to, because of the level I've boxed at as an amateur, I know where where I can get to as a pro. So I want to I step up and have some tests and, and box longer rounds and box for top titles by the end of this year, early next
1: year. But Let's just take a little pause for one moment to give a shout out to the sponsors for BTR Boxing Podcast. It's Bear Attack Boxing, providing high quality boxing gloves, boxing equipment to your suitable needs. You can find them at www.bearattackboxing.co.uk and all over social media. You've got the Fight Pro 1 gloves, the Pluto gloves, the New Bear Attack boxing t shirt range, the inner gloves, the hand wraps, some great boxing products on there. So go and check them out. And also, we've got a little present for you because you're a loyal listener to BTR Boxing Podcast, we've got an exclusive discount code for you. Now it's a 10% discount, and all you've got to do is when you're at the checkout and you've got them boxing gloves and that t shirt in there that you want to buy, go onto the promo code and enter. BTR 10 for 10% off. And 10% is not something to be scoffed at in this day and age. It can definitely get you a few quid off them high quality products that Bear Attack Boxing are selling. So as a loyal listener to BTR Boxing podcast, when you buy or purchase something through Bear Attack Boxing's website... In the promo code, enter BTR10, and you will get an exclusive 10% discount off your basket. So please, go and take advantage of it. Follow them on social media, Bear Attack Boxing, and it's bearattackboxing.co.uk. Yeah, I mean, obviously, what, what people might not know is, is you're 32 now, turning 33 this year. So it's about pushing on pretty quickly and because you obviously you had that break after the back of the the Commonwealth Games now it's it's about trying to be as active as possible trying to push yourself on as quickly as possible to go on and achieve something that you want to achieve in the sport have you got like little mini goals that you've set yourself that you want to try and achieve like you want to get to say sort of southern southern area title level and then go from there and and, and go to the English etc yeah so like by say by um
0: by like February latest next year um i want that southern area title um and then from there i want to push on towards english title then um, maybe british or commonwealth i want to you know take all the steps and then get to after after maybe a few fights
1: like that then push on well done so the heavyweight scene domestically it's not massive there's 41 active heavyweights in the uk at the moment and you're ranked as being 22nd on box records, the 22nd best heavyweight in britain and then you look around yep. at the names around you people will know some of these names around you you know guys like nick webb simon valili you these are the types of names that have been on some you know quite high profile shows in the past 12 months and you're not too far yep. away to, to be ranked in the same level as them so given where you are in your career given your age given what you want to go on to achieve it, do you expect to see yourself progressing quite quickly? Yeah,
0: definitely, definitely. That's the aim. Like, like, um, I wanna, I wanna step up in, in opponents soon. Um, so I wanna be fighting guys that uh, rank like near enough my level or above me. So I wanna, I wanna be in tests. I wanna be challenged. Because that's the only way you're gonna get places and find out how good you are. And I know that I've, like, I've been in the ring with some of the best. Inspiring, so and I've heard my own each and every time, so I'm ready to to challenge challenge anyone. Anyway. But one thing also is that I'm at the moment I'm being it heavy,
1: but I'm aiming to come down to Cruiser Right, that's quite interesting. So you you you're fighting it heavy at the moment, but you you, you want to yeah. go down to cruiser? What's the what's the logic? What's the the thoughts behind that one?
0: Uh, it, it's just more more my natural weight. Um, in the amateurs, um, that's where I mainly campaigned. That I mainly campaigned that um, cruiser weight 86 kilograms, or um, when it was internationals, was was 91 kilograms, but then my last temperature fight, I even got down to 81 light heavy. So um, I know it's possible. And actually, when I was a light heavy, I felt strongest I've been, um, and I was one of the biggest guys. Whereas now, as a heavyweight, um, I'm not the I'm not the biggest guy. There are there are people a lot taller than me.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that one. And the cruiserweight scene domestically—if that's where you end up pushing onto campaign, at, that is—that's brilliant. That's a hotbed for talent at the moment. There's so many good fights that are going on, and obviously yeah. we just we just seen one quite recently. With Richard Riakpor and Chris billham Smith, that was a fantastic fight over the weekend just gone. And you know, you've got the likes of Acoly Camacho, Tommy McCarthy. You had the Ultimate Boxer yeah. Cruiserweight Tournament that's just happened as well. You know, would, would that yeah, been yeah. Would, would that been of something that you would have liked to have been involved in, or is it just strictly yeah. you want to focus on what you're doing? Um, no, that I think that
0: tournament is a is a is a good little setup. Uh, mm. And yeah, I would have been I would have been definitely for going into that. Um, but yeah, like there's there's so many good. Good cruiserweight boxers at the moment, um, like some names you mentioned. Even um, R- Richard Riakpor, he's a good friend of mine and sparring partner spar quite often. I um, also do a lot of rounds with um, Isaac Chamberlain quite often. I was good cruiserweight, so but it's, yeah, there's there's a lot of names you could throw about in the cruiserweight division. A lot of good fights that could be made. So I'll be involved in them pretty soon.
1: Yeah, definitely, and I think a lot of people will be looking forward to it because I feel like I don't know if if you've seen that sort of shift and slide yourself, but in the past two years, the cruiserweight division across the world, because of things like the World Boxing Super Series and the Ultimate Boxer, has put this new light on the cruiserweight division—a division that I would honestly say wasn't really regarded as as much as some of the others. Say like a lot of people look at the heavyweights and the welterweights and you know the the lightweights, but they forgot all about the cruiserweights in the last two years the cruiserweight division it's just been booming with all sorts of fantastic fighters domestically and on the world scene and obviously with your experience in the amateur side you know you've got all that experience you know for you it'll just be a case of like you get in there and you could push onto fights quite quickly because it's not like you would need a major apprenticeship in the professional side as in you won't need to be in there with 20 journeymen before you step up do you know what i mean yeah, no, definitely not. Yeah, like that's that's not my aim at all. But I like my but I like my what,
0: my tenth, eleventh fight, I wanna be in challenging fights, like pushing like guys that are probably better than me or has a at a good, very good level like maybe like
1: European and above so So let's talk about let's talk about you and outside of boxing and what goes on for yourself and aside from boxing do you do you have to work to support the the professional boxing career or are you fortunate enough to have the support of sponsorships Uh,
0: yeah well yeah I I do have to work um, because when you first when you first turn pro it's like um, you basically you've got to sell tickets and um, you've got to build up a following so from like I've basically worked for the first year and a bit, but i um, um I'm leaving my job like at the end of the month, focus on the boxing full time. Um I've got like um I've got one sponsor, one permanent sponsor, um Caribbean restaurant called Brown Eagle in North London. It's bitch. difficult because you to get a full time sponsor you need you're talking about a year's salary what you need in in order for you to not have to work. But um I've taken that jump like even though I've not secured that sponsorship yet, I believe in my ability, I'll do what I have to do to Pay the bills, um, and I've got to follow my dreams fully, so that's why I've decided to go full time with a good, good training
1: So that's a big part of it and I always talk about it on the on this series to all the different boxers that I speak to. You know, some are not as mm. fortunate as others, some don't have the the backing of a lot of sponsorships. So people don't appreciate the fact that you've got to go out there and sell tickets to, to at this stage of your career to cover the cost of yeah. your opponent to even to even break even or even make any type of money. So sponsorships is a huge part of it. So anybody that listens to our interview you and businesses Mm. that are listening to this and think you know i really like the sound of ryan and and what he's about and what he's achieved so far and where he wants to go if they want to get in touch with you they want to discuss some type of sponsorship to help you out to get your career pushing off the ground even further to help you focus fully on training where can they contact you across social media to do that
0: Okay, on the social media, on uh, both Instagram and Twitter, is um, Runemover. So that's R U N E M O V E R. Um, So you should message me directly on there. Um, I've got loads of training videos and clips that you can have a look, have a look at. Um, And then on Facebook is. Ryan Charles, so those
1: free. Good, so hopefully, listening to this, if you're listening to this and you've got a company there, please get in touch with Ryan, because obviously, this is a guy who's really trying to push on in his career and, and hopefully be in some exciting fights. And while we're on the subject of that, Ryan, obviously a big shout-out to, to Colin from CM Management, who's obviously looking after you and your, your all your PR stuff, helping you build that following yeah. as well.
0: Yeah, good-out to Colin, man. Yeah.
1: So let's just talk about a few little fun bits of, of, of things that go on in your life. And going back to yeah. boxing... Um, if you was to go into YouTube now and look for a fight, what fight would it be? What's your go-to fight?
0: Uh, oh, That's a good question. I haven't really got one particular go-to fight. Well, actually, I'll tell you one fight that I do like, um, Holyfield versus Bo. Ivana Holyfield versus Riddick bo the second fight.
1: Yes, The best. The best one of the three, 100%, the best one of three, yeah. brilliant, yeah. Any particular yeah. fighter, any particular fighter that you think, you know what, I love watching this guy, I love watching this guy's style. You, I know you talked about Lewis and you talked about Naz for obviously, yeah. the the early to mid is. Was there anyone in particular that you would just go in and, and Google or YouTube and say, you know, I want to have a look at, I want to have a look at him, he's, he's the fighter that I've always kind of looked up to. Yeah,
0: I like, I like watching a lot of Sugar um, Ray Leonard, but also of news of recent alarm or like this era i like watching a lot of andre wood yeah Andre Wood. his style and um his ring craft and i think he's just so smart i think he's one of the most intelligent fighters like of
1: any era and if you used to sit down uh, and watch a film yes. what's your go-to film what's the film that you could sit there and watch over and over again over and over about um, two films that I've watched over and Fading Full Scarface Scarface yeah a lot yeah. of people love good old Scarface don't they and Tony Montana yeah, I love that film <laughs> yeah yeah no well I'll tell you it's obviously been great to hear your story your journey through boxing today your extensive amateur career is also good to hear about and for people that have listened yeah. you know they're going to hear the fact that you've been in boxing Against Michael Hunter, who obviously was former cruiserweight, now heavyweight. Uh, I, yeah. You know, and you've represented Saint Lucia. You've boxed in in England. You, you've done a lot of things in your amateur career. It didn't work out for you the way you wanted it to in the Commonwealth Games. You've had a break. You've come back, and now you're forcing yourself onto the sea And a lot of people are going to want to look out for you. And uh, I hope that they've enjoyed listening to you tell that story, and and then obviously look to follow your career going forward. Uh, so thank you for taking the time out to come on. To to speak to me and the very best of yeah. luck for the next 12 months.
0: Yeah, thank you, man. Yeah, thanks for um taking the time to have this interview with me. So it's been, I've enjoyed it, so thank you. The dream is made real. Ricky Hatt rocks the
1: world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Podcast Network.